I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. We put tech through its paces. And this time we're taking a deep dive on Windows 11 with the one and only Panos Panay. Kind of isn't really anybody better to talk to about it, really. So in case you don't know, um, Panos is the chief product officer at Microsoft for both Windows and devices, so surfaces and stuff like that. Um, you will be familiar with Panos from introducing stuff like the Neo and the Duo and products like that. And I can't remember exactly when this was, but relatively recently, Panos also took over Windows. And so in a little bit, we're going to be talking with Panos directly about everything announced for Windows 11, which has just been shown off uh, in a presentation from Microsoft. Um, this is There was a lot here, and this is one of the things. I think leading up to the event, I think we thought we knew what Windows 11 was going to be, right? There have been some leaks. There have been some builds getting out there. Some people that I know, not me on this call, uh -huh. made videos about what? it. I mean, I wouldn't what? know Who? anything. Who? I don't know. What? I think Linus? Someone, Linus? Yeah, Linus think... is on the call and yeah. he made a video about it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't me. I wasn't would never you. do something like you didn't that. Touch no, it. But... We, you didn't touch it. Um, but Microsoft have now shown off Windows 11. And I think it's fair to say we were both pretty surprised because there was a lot more there than we would have expected. Um, which I think is one of those things where you can see you can't always trust these leaks, right? To give you all yeah. the information you might want. And one of the things that's always missed, I mean, this is the same in rumors for any tech stuff, is you miss the strategy, the big picture stuff, right? And and those are kind of the things that obviously we're going to pan us about. But for people that are just catching up, Austin, what do the test drivers audience need to know about Windows 11? Well, first of all, it is a brand new name, Windows 11. So this is the first time we've seen like a proper new numbered version of Windows since I, I want to say 2015. It has been quite a while. And really, like Windows 10 was designed to not be like the next version of Windows. But in a lot of ways, it was designed to be like the final version of Windows. And they would just continue to update it, which has been true for the last six years. However, there are a lot of big changes that I do think are deserving of a full new numbered version. So first of all, probably the most important thing, Windows 11 is coming this holiday season. Um, I believe there actually, well, I mean, there were <clears throat> some leaked builds maybe, uh, but there are some semi-official builds that are, are going around, some early betas and whatnot that I believe you can download now. And the full final version with all the features should be coming out later this year. And importantly, it will be a free upgrade. There are a couple of things um, to keep in mind there. One of the big ones is the system requirements are a little different. So you do need a 64-bit processor and you need a dual-core processor. I think you need like 64 gigs of storage or something. It's not a major difference. Essentially, the new minimum spec of Windows 11 is basically what you would see in like those low-end like HP streams, like the really, really budget devices that you can buy. So not any kind of huge issue. Uh, personally, I think the design looks really, really nice compared to old school Windows. Modern. It's much more modern. And even, you know, Windows 10, obviously, still has a relatively modern look to it, but Windows 11 definitely has more of a polished feel. And I think the, the modernness of it comes from the fact that it has also been considered for all kinds of devices, right? So it's going to work better on touchscreens and stuff like that. And if you're designing something to work of all kinds of computers, it's probably going to be able to get that kind of modern feel to it. 
Absolutely. It reminds me a little bit of the the Mac OS Big Sur transition because that was a huge visual overhaul. A lot of rounded corners there too, right? Same yeah, as yeah. Yep. But like, you can't say that Apple is, co- or sorry, you can't say that Microsoft is copying Apple because I mean, who did all that stuff first? Windows Vista, baby. <laughs> I, don't I had want to get the to Vista in there. Vista today. Why do we, no, it's you won't good. Stop talking about Vista. <laughs> Look, that was the pinnacle uh-huh. of modern technology, and everything's uh-huh. been downhill from there. True. but it's fine. Uh, on top of that, though, there actually are some good features, right? So that was one of the things that actually really was a pleasant surprise because after. Uh, not touching, of course, but um, mm-hmm. after maybe being uh, a party to whatever that leaked version looked like, it was very much Windows 10 with uh, a little bit of a different redesign and not a ton else. But there are actually a lot of under-the-hood features and upgrades that I do think are a big jump, right? So snap groups and snap layouts. Look, I'm going to be real here. Windows has already been sort of, as far as I'm concerned, the best in the business when it comes to window management, right? They have the snapping, they have the multiple desktops, which I guess macOS might do a little bit better, but they've really done a good job of making it very flexible and built directly into the operating system where you can just slide your windows around and whatnot. But with the snap groups and the layouts, you can take that a, a much, much bigger step farther in the customization. I really wished that uh, Apple would copy Microsoft's homework here for iPad. Yes. This is exactly <laughs> what I want on iPad OS. Like, it really looks great. Yeah, but it's like, to me, this Windows implementation seems to be much better. Even uh, down to something as simple as if you're on like a laptop and you're, you're plugged into your desktop or specifically you're plugged into your like desktop monitor, what you can do is you can unplug it. It'll move all your windows back over to your laptop screen just like it normally would. But when you plug your laptop back into that monitor, it will remember where everything was and it'll just have it come straight up. That yep. is such a no-brainer feature. It's absolutely mind-blowing that this is the first time we've seen that. It's like, oh, of course. Why didn't anyone think about this? It's like when I plug my Mac into a display, I have to rearrange everything. And when I unplug yep. it again and just use the Mac again, all of the windows are the wrong size. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, they spoke about it a bunch during the presentation. These are the types of things that we can expect to see from companies that are paying attention to the way that the developers and the team members themselves have been using their devices whilst in different working conditions over the last year. Like, Windows 11 really feels like they took a bunch of learnings from working at home and put it into the operating system, which is great. Absolutely. But they also focused a ton on gaming in the presentation. Yeah. This was interesting to me. It seems like they've taken a bunch of technology from Xbox, like auto HDR, direct storage, and stuff like that. Like they kept name checking, like, hey, we learned about doing this in the Series X, and now we're bringing it to Windows. What did you think about that? It's cool. I I will say uh, going into this, I maybe had slightly higher expectations that no, maybe there was like some new thing with like ray tracing or like DirectX 13. I, I was just kind of curious if there's going to be some kind of larger thing. Auto HDR is nice. And that is, again, yeah, absolutely an Xbox feature as well as the Direct Storage API. But I'll say really it felt like more like they were just flexing that Windows is still sort of, I mean, for most people, the best place to game. Obviously, consoles have their place. Sure, mobile games have their place. But really, when you think hardcore gaming, you think Windows. And I feel like they were more like just sort of flexing that this is really still the place to be. And they're continuing to add features and they're continuing to, I think more than anything, show that they care about gamers more so than this was some splashy launch where they have some insane feature that's going to blow your minds. It's like, no, it's like you're got, you're getting just a couple of Xbox features, but realistically, we just want to remind you that the Windows PC is where we really want you to play as long as you're not, well, okay, let me rephrase that. 
the Xbox and Windows PC is really where they want you to play. Don't, don't touch any of the other stuff. That's, that's bad for you. Android apps. Woo! I didn't see this one coming, man. No. I did not see it coming. Android apps, along with every other type of app in the Windows Store. And you can also, if you just ship a regular app, you know, like, obviously not Android, like a regular app, you can now choose how you want it to be paid for. If you choose to not use Microsoft's payment method, their commerce system, you don't have to pay them a thing. They just want their apps in the stores. I think this is a this is great. This is how it should be, in my opinion. Developers should have choice. Customers should have choice. But the choice shouldn't be at the lack of then the app not being available in the store on the platform. I think Microsoft have landed on this. I mean, it's maybe easier for them to do it or it's convenient for them to do it because this is something they need and want, right? Because the Windows Store is a bit of a, a ghost town. Mm, mm, so yeah. if you can encourage everyone to bring their apps to the to the store, like that's better for everyone. I'm I'm pretty jazzed about that. I'm looking forward to, to asking panels about that. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, the I mean, I I think it's something that's maybe not super relevant to us, but you look at this in the grander scheme where obviously Apple and Epic are in this huge legal battle all about the control over whether or not you can sideload apps and you know the 30% cut and all this kind of stuff. And it seems like such a power move for Microsoft to come in and go, oh, yeah, by the way, of course, you can already, you know, download whatever you want on Windows. But, hey, if you want to use the Windows Store, you don't have to pay for it. Just fine. Yeah, just just throw your apps up on there. We're happy to host it. We're happy to help you update it because we just want the experience to be better. I mean, what a good guy Microsoft kind of move is that, right? Yeah, super cool. I really like it. I'm curious to see how the Android app experience is going to work out. Like what their support's going to look like, how it's gonna, how it's going to play. Yeah, it does from first glance. We haven't tried this yet. It, it seems maybe a touch uh, fiddly, perhaps, because you have to kind of go through a couple of steps. But I feel like we'll talk a lot more about that when we actually can get our hands on it. And I mean, from the sound of it, they're still working on actually getting it all implemented. Yeah. So things could certainly change between now and when it actually ships later on this year. Mike, mm-hmm. I have one very, very small thing. I hope you won't be okay. upset with me. Oh, God. Just one, one little thing. Look, look, look. We're about to chat with Panos. It's all very exciting. Okay. Um, but there was some breaking news. Okay. There was some very exciting breaking news. Uh-huh. Uh, the Z Flip has leaked. The Z Flip has leaked. I repeat, the it Z Flip has. has leaked. I actually think it has too, because this came from Evan Blass. I have leaks who, you got to believe it when uh, Evan Blass mm-hmm. posts something, the best track record around with, when it comes to imagery. So I think we see the Flip 3. Oh, yes. I mean, and it's kind of what you were asking for, right? Bigger screen on the front. It yep. looks a lot like those early leaks renders that we were talking about months ago, I feel like. I'm so excited. Look, we'll have, I'm sure, many, many follow-up episodes on the test drivers. But it just it felt like a, a disservice to the test drivers audience, a disservice to the Z Flip gang, if we don't at least mention the Z Flip 3 is happening and it looks amazing and I'm screaming with joy on the inside right now. All right, let's not hold up any longer. Uh, well, let's take a break first. After this break, <laughs> we're going to be sitting down with Panos Spinet, Chief Product Officer at Microsoft for Windows and Devices. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Tech Talk, a podcast from the folks at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. 
I love finding new podcasts, and so do you. Maybe some of you are coming to the show for the first time, and you're going to subscribe because it's awesome. Tech Talk is another show that you will want to listen to. It talks through HPE news, tech insights, and world-class innovations. I was checking out an episode before we recorded today, talking all about a project that HP are working on called Project Aurora. It's a new initiative focusing on what's called Edge to Cloud. This is all about making sure that the software and services that we use every day have the very best levels of security, something that is becoming only more and more important in our current world of hacking and all that kind of stuff. You don't want that. It's a fascinating look at the needs of large companies today. And if you want to check the show out, you can expect tons of fantastic topics like how cloud data experiences are changing, how supercomputing aboard the, aboard the International Space Station and how that all works out, supercuting in space, and how you can harness the power of 5G to offer ultimate experiences. The show takes you straight to the source, interviewing some seriously impressive tech leaders like Dr. Michael Roberts from ISS's U.S. National Lab, Sanjeev Katwa, who is the CTO of Tottenham Hospital Football Club, and Monica Livingston from Intel, just to name a few. Check out Tech Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Tech Talk now or click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to HBE Tech Talk for their support of this show and Relay FM. Seriously, thank you so much for coming on. I think one of the big questions, especially kind of looking at how the event went, is the design, right? Windows 11, obviously, it's a new name, but it's a very different look. I'm curious, where did that look come from? Is it something that was, I mean, I think there was some talk about how a lot of this development was work was done, you know, during the pandemic. And obviously, that was a challenging kind of thing. But kind of where did this new look for Windows really come from? Thank you for having me. I'm pumped to be here. And just as you say, thank me to be here. Like, let me just tell you, it's a blast to, to just take. Honestly, this is like a this is a break right now, just to hang. Like, give me a <laughs> give me a chance to chill. Today. You settle day. in, settle in. We're gonna relax. You know. Thanks, man. Thanks, Mike. I, it's been a day. Like, I got to tell you. All right. There's a couple ways to think about it. Think about this: products are a reflection of the people that make them. All right. That almost sounds like a canned line, but that's how the, the team and I talk. And I'm so proud to work for this team. Uh, or with this team, as we created Windows 11, a big part of it. You're right. You nailed, you nailed it, Austin. Like this has been, this is done through the pandemic. At the end of the day, I mean, and and before, but ultimately influenced so much. And when you're designing a product, you've got to go look for, you know, what are the things you're trying to accomplish? What are the things that matter most? You have to understand what are your customers' needs. So you go through these cycles of what are you trying to solve for? What what is the need of the customer? And then it's an un- unbelievable levels of iteration. Because the design points for this product were, it's going to sound almost funny, but the words that were really anchoring was, the first word was calm. Not interesting. Like, in this world, like, it's so chaotic. Like, how do we bring a system that's calm, um, one that flows, one that's delightful to use? And the idea, it wasn't about connecting you to your tech. It was about connecting you to the things that you love most. And so when you have that principle for customers, and I get it, it probably sounds super cheesy, but it's but it's true. Like that's where we were. And and now you start getting into the softer edges, the right light that moves through the product, the things that we can actually measure the brain as people use the product and see where are the delighters, where do people feel good? It turns out when you guys are having fun, you're better at creating than when you're not. It just turns out. It's not hard to understand that concept. Let me just, you know, just think of the last time you're off and you created something beautiful and Versus the time you were inspired and you created something beautiful. It's going to be a lot easier to find 
you know, the inspired portion of that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I guess some people work angry really well, but the, the idea that you feel good when you're doing what you're doing, you just, you get at your best. You know, I talk about it getting into your flow. And so, um, you know, whether that was playing a sport, writing code, writing a document, inspiring, writing a love letter, whatever it might be, that's all creating, right? And for you guys, a podcast here, like when you're in your best state, I can imagine if I'm sitting here with a miserable look, you're like, this is a, how's this podcast going to go? And <laughs> let's just take that same human principle. If products are a reflection of the people that make them, like how much are we going to put into this product that people can take out? And that's where the design comes from. I know that sounds like that's a bit theoretical. I can get very tactical, like rounded corners, the way the light moves, the colors bloom. This image right here, this is actually my Surface Hub on uh, running on Windows 11. And like I can get into the details of how quick settings pops, which is just rad, by the way. And like, there's so many little things, but all of them come together in this design to basically bring you a sense of calm, to bring a sense of delight. And so when you get in, you know, and you're ready to go kill it, work hard, design, dream, create, and the technology gets out of your way. And, and so a big part of this was also centering it. And that's my last comment, just and I'll stop. But you think, because I can go over now, you, you got me. I can go for about three days. And I think my team would say it like, can you not ask these questions? Because now we have a 40 minute lecture or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's your baby. But You're ultimate, proud of it. So true. I, I am proud of it. Like, I'm so proud of the team. Like my part of my, you know, what I believe in most is this, this team that creates. I'm so proud of them. But yeah, it is my baby. It's like, and then, the, you know, the collection, of all these features are the, are the combination of this, of this great product. And then centering start was a thing like, you know, there was an analogy we talked about, like, you know, centering yourself almost. Like, how do you get centered? And like, let's just bring it all here, right where you're engaging, right where you're doing what you need to get done. And then, you know, magic happens. So things like like centering start, which is actually a phrase that I really enjoy. It really feels like a lot of that thought went into making, and you spoke about it in the presentation, Windows adaptable with different types of devices and touchscreen devices. Yeah. Some of this stuff felt pretty reminiscent of me for me of Windows 10X, which was something that you previewed a while back. Yeah. Did the pandemic change the course of development here where you for ended sure. up taking some of these ideas and saying, you know what, this actually is our next full version of Windows? Yeah, like what's the right thing for our customers is the way I say it in this time of change. Like you have to think that way. What a crazy idea for me to be going, I had this this thing two and a half years ago was the right thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, times change. You're like, I don't care. I'm still going to do what I thought was right two and a half years ago. Like, I can't. Like, we have to evolve for our customers and we have to we have to grow, but we have to stay familiar. I mean, I tried to use an analogy today. If you watch the event, it sounds like you did, which is awesome. I use the analogy of home because it was so important. Like, it, whatever's home to you is different. But for me, like, it's maybe my home has changed over time. My parents still live in their house, by the way. I just flew there last weekend. It was a dream to hang out with my dad. He's 88. It's like a... It's the thing, emotional thing for me, but in my mom, I get in trouble. I always say my dad and then I get in trouble. <laughs> you never mentioned trouble. me. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I have no idea. It's so tiring. I'm sorry, mom, if, you're, if you listen, she won't. But I, maybe she will actually. She, she like stalks me. And so the, the idea that we have to evolve, but we have to stay familiar was a big part of this. And yep, we took a lot of inspiration from the work we've already done on 10X. But actually, we took more inspiration for the way people work, the way people are producing, connecting with each other right now. And you'll see that throughout the product. And as the times changed through the pandemic, I mean, we designed this product in the pandemic, you, you know, think through the pandemic, I should say. And that's the thing, you know, team's pretty proud of that. And it should reflect in the product itself. 
say, take those original design principles of calm and, you know, the seamless integration, these transitions, the fluidity of the sound, the, the light, all of it that flows through the materials, all of it's real. And then you tie it to what do people need to get done? And then centering start to your point. Yeah, it took inspiration from a lot of places, but one of them was, you know, how are we acting right now? How are we behaving right now? What do we need to get done? How has it changed? And I think respectfully, you know, it's changed for a lot of people over over the last two years in many different ways. And and uh, we reflect quite a bit on that. It's a great question, but it's actually super meaningful to me to to even think about it as as we talk. Yeah. And I think that's actually, that's a great segue to, I think one of the other big announcements and one of the big sort of focuses, which is teams. So I, it seems like there's a much deeper integration of teams and windows. And I'm curious, I mean, that seems, I guess, from the outside, like that very much seems like it's because of the pandemic that obviously people are connecting more and more, of course, in lots of ways, but especially when it comes to video, but it almost does seem like, do you expect that teams is almost going to be potentially like kind of one of the, the default communications sort of methods for a lot of, of people? Because what, how do you see Teams as it's been evolving over the last couple of years and going forward into being fully integrated into Windows? A way to think about it is take the tech out of the picture for just a minute and take what the goal is. And the goal is to connect humans to each other just for a minute. Like the, just you've got to always go to what, why are you doing? And, and the real reason is I just want to make it easier for you to connect to the people you love. It's really that simple. It, and I say that as if, as if it is simple. The, the concept, the con- and so I don't mean to patronize that moment, but I, but that concept is, is quite simple. Like, hey, I want to connect to the people I love, or the people I know, or the people I need to connect with. And you know, through the pandemic, what you saw happen, Austin, was basically we were fitting the PC into our lives, versus now we're fitting our lives into the PC in many ways. I mean, look at us right now. And if you just take that little element, of what do people need right now? Like, well, how is it easier to connect with somebody? How do I find somebody? And one of the things we really wanted was, okay, front and center, one touch, go. And it doesn't matter where you were, Austin. If you were in your car, if you were, you know, and, and, and don't look at your phone when you're driving. That's not, not what I mean. But, the, <laughs> but, you know, depending on what device you're on, where you were, where you are on the planet. And, you know, Windows connects through over the entire planet. You know, you know well, but it should just be seamless to connect with somebody. And now... And then ask the next question, like the team's integration can create that seamless engagement, even, you know, direct to phone, direct to tablet, direct to iPad, direct to anything. And more so PC to PC, part, there's two things there. There might be a different application you want to use. Okay, awesome. You know what I mean? Like use WhatsApp, use Zoom. That's awesome. Like that's what Windows does. But ultimately what I want to do as a product maker or as a as, as like we try and do as a team and the you know teams and windows coming together is how do we just make it easier for people and give them another avenue to go one touch connect and go and i think it's inspiring to know you can connect humans and not think about the technology like that matters and so yeah. when you when you talk about what matters to a team that's what matters now how do you perfect the tech how do you get it so it's seamless how do you make it so you know, like when, when if we hand you a product and the product breaks and you don't actually connect with the person you cared about, I'm pretty sure the whole principle falls on its face. And so now it's it's all about that seamless integration and making it simple. And we think right now with the, that integration point of Teams and Windows, that's that'll come to life pretty nice for people. From the outside, from an outsider's yeah. perspective, and yeah. especially with the branding and stuff like Teams initially felt like 
a business tool. It's the way mm-hmm. for teams of people to come together. But yeah. like basically every other tool during the pandemic, it all got upended, right? Zoom was the same, right? Like Zoom was a like, sure. corporate communications platform. And now people use it and they use Teams and they use these things to get their families together for a cocktail evening. And definitely looking at the way that Teams was integrated in and the way that you showed it off during the presentation, there was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of families. Yeah. Do you envision going forward Teams as as much as a personal communication platform as a professional one? 100%. You nailed it. And actually, nobody nobody could have said it better than you just did. You you. <laughs> You re- I'm serious. You referenced the history. That was impressive. Like, yeah, but what did we learn through the pandemic? Like, sure, it started as a business tool in many ways, but ultimately, you know, in connecting in meetings and finding a way. But now that evolution is so important. This is, this is what we're talking about. I, I, so the answer is, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Like, let's connect as people. And I, you think about the customers of Windows, there's so many different ways to slice it and think about it, whether you're commercial, enterprise, school. Uh, end user, developer, you know, <laughs> pick your persona. At the end of the day, connecting people is it. And now it's at a more personal level, if you will. It doesn't have to be tied to business. It doesn't have to be tied to work. It just has to be tied to another human and or multiple. Yeah. And the depth of the team's platform shows up, but as well as its simplicity in, in, in the way it's, you know, kind of instituted within Windows now. So another one of the big things that was really kind of brought up in the event is the idea of Windows as an open platform, which has always been the case. I don't think this is like news to anyone that like Windows is sort of the most open place, but there's some major new things that you've kind of done to really push this farther in that direction. So not only can developers use their own payment system and still be on the Microsoft Store, which uh, just seems like a very... um, Nobody else is doing it, Austin. I think is what you're looking at. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) Easy way to say it. it. Yeah, but I actually don't know if anyone else is doing it. But for sure, it's an important important thing for us to to get right. Yeah, I mean, certainly no one that I know of. But I'm I'm really curious, kind of like what went into the the decision there, and kind of Mm. how does that reflect on the developer community, who's obviously massive on the Windows side. Yeah, this this will shock you. We were just focused on the customer. It wasn't like a hard. Somebody like, so what? Like, what would tell me the strategy? Strategy? Oh, uh, <laughs> making sure customers got what they needed out of the store, making sure developers could build their platforms on our platform. Like, that's what it's about. Yeah. And again, take customers, end user, finding the right app because a developer built their business by building the right app. There's mm-hmm. two different ways to look at the same kind of opportunity, if you will, for people. And if you just go back to that, like, that was it. I know I know we can make it more complex, but at the end of the day, Satya said it really well today. He said it really elegantly. A platform for platform creators. What does that mean? It means this. If you're, you know, a dev with a great idea and you want to be found, you know, create an app for you know <laughs> for the Microsoft Store and you know, we'll do our best to help. That's really what it comes down to. And if we can, you know, people can use Windows to create their own platforms if people can use windows to make their own businesses that's just a dream it's a dream it's just awesome and and that's that's what that's what went into it and and it and i'm we're proud of it for sure you know and you bring your own commerce engine go for it like build your business invest in your business do what you need to do we don't want i don't want to be in your way and then for the end user imagine what that does it just it's a more secure way to get your application there's more applications for you the applications matter 
uh, seems pretty dang cool. So like the idea behind it is, is that it's, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to trivialize it at all. It's, it's not simple to implement, you know, but, but it is important. You know, that's what we want. We, we want to help developers build their business. And that's a way to say it. Same time. I want users to be able to create. Those are one and the same thing, if that makes sense, like to create, you need great apps. And so it's a good cycle for windows is what I'd say. And that in, yeah, it's pretty, it's a, it's a cool thing. I hope, I hope developers are excited. I think I said something in the show. I think, um, I think I called developers my hero because I mean, they're at the end of the day, they are like, I, I can't do what they do. I, I, and it's incredible when you, when somebody writes a great app and then, and then somebody else creates something great with that app. Oh my gosh. Like that's the, <laughs> that's creativity <laughs> and it's fine. Like it's a full circle. Like it's awesome. So it's fun to be able to talk about it today for sure. The platform for platform line yeah. uh, that you mentioned, as Satya mentioned, yeah. is such a fascinating thing. And I really love, I love the way it sounds and I love what it means. And I think yeah. just going off that again, like to, to go back to what you were saying about what's great about an app store is when you can find all the apps that you want. And mobile platforms have the advantage of they began with app stores. So the only place you could get the apps is in app stores. But in platforms that have been around for longer, apps have been distributed. And so, you know, I'm kind of saying two different things now because now I'm all excited. You're getting me all excited about it now. (laughs) But like, I I really love this, this idea from a customer perspective and developer perspective for Windows now of like, look, we have made it so no matter who you are, what you do, you can put your app on the store. We're not going to tell right. you how to run your business. And then customers can rely on this one place to go to. So like these two ideas, they seem really great. Yeah, I hope so. Like, I believe they are opportunity for customers. And you nailed it. Like, again, you've done this. You, you do my job for me at this point. Like, it's twice now. So I would just say you're right. It's the, like the, the fundamentals are developers can build their business and Customers can get great apps to go create on. And remember what we're doing with Windows 11. We're bringing you closer to things you love, which means like, how do I get you into your best place to create, get you the most information you could have, the best information you can have, and then get into your most creative flow? I think that's the thing where it all kind of comes together in that, in my mind. And as I think about it, maybe it doesn't make perfect sense for for any for anyone except for me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> thinking about it out loud, but it makes to, sense to me. To, okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> Thank so uh, the other side of it is, of course, Android apps, right? I think that was definitely the moment during the the keynote. I was just, I stood up, I was like, "Whoa, what? Wait, did, say that again." I'm super curious. So, first of all, uh, what is the user experience for Android apps, and kind of what was the where where did the idea come from to sort of bring this into the Windows ecosystem? I'm super fascinated on kind of like what went on behind the scenes to make this actually happen. <laughs> Well, that would take a couple of years to explain. So we start there. Like, I mean, that was a ridiculous ask. I can't get to the whole thing. I promise you. <laughs> uh, for sure, there's nothing simple about it, but I'll, the in, in implementation and how and 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 process. But I will tell you, the theory is fairly simple, and it goes back to. Hmm, there's a couple of ways to think about it, but ultimately get you all the apps that you want. It's same idea of, you know, and I kind of talked about it in the show today, but whether it was a PWA, you know, progressive web app, a UWP or a Win32 app or an Android app, it shouldn't matter. 
what does a developer want to build for people to use? That's that was the trick in that conversation today. Not a trick, but that was the trick to, to read into. Like it didn't matter what application you were building. Like you could pick what is it that you love to do, how you love to write your app, what you want to like, how native. You know, if you want to go all the way down and into you know, or or you want to you know, lightweight app, deep app, like you pick. But the the idea was what are the right apps for customers? And one of the things like think about the idea of leaning on your, leaning back on your couch, you saw windows is adaptable, right? Windows 11 has this kind of adaptive feature where the taskbar gets slightly larger. The touch targets get bigger. Once you get into a tablet mode, now all of a sudden you're in this elegant posture, you're centered. Okay. Well, isn't, isn't an Android app perfect for that. And so you just kind of think about what does a customer need? How do we deliver it? And that's one thing. And then, and then there's just a, you know, the cascade of how that decision gets made is different. And, and how you implement it is different. It takes many companies to come together to do it. We were inspired because at the end of the day, the, the end user, the person, the human on the other side of it is going to take amazing benefit. And the other side of that was what really mattered to us as you ask it, like Austin, you think about, it's not just an app glued into the system. It's integrated into the taskbar, into start, into windowing. You saw the windowing models today. They're really rad. I mean, they're, the yeah, new windowing yeah. models are here. I can't tell you to change my workflow. Um, <laughs> they really have. It's crazy. It's so fun. They're so fun. They're 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 addictive. That and the widgets are addictive. Like you just get in, you're like, oh my god, it's great. Um, yeah, we were freaking out about all the the layouts and the grids, like the snap yes, stuff. Yes, so it really looks like so rad. But, but such think about a great way to multitask. It's cool. And 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 then you can always get your way back to it. So like kind of that analogy of home, like you always find your way back. Like at the end of the day, like set up that window and then all of a sudden you want to get back to it, you just click and you're, you're back. It's just cool. And then Android apps fits into that. Like that integration point, that was a really important part of the design. And it'll be a while before people use Android apps, like before it's released. You know, the product comes out in holiday next year or this year. Or so you're talking about the fall, but that work is continuously ongoing. It's incredible work between, you know, what I would say is Amazon, Intel, Microsoft, all coming together, it works across all platforms. I was asked the question for it, you know, works amazing, you know, with AMD, Qualcomm, Intel, like that variety of devices you could pick from. It's it really it's a great story for our customers. Absolutely. Yeah, it is exciting to see, you know, and it's it, that was, again, another big surprise, like that it is this kind of like alliance trio of companies that have to come together to make something like that happen. All sure. huge giants like that's that, that I can imagine was a really interesting and exciting thing to put together. There are great people that that come together that work for great what I think are, you know, just it's just great companies. Like it's the right thing to do for a customer. You you can see when, you know, people get together, teams get together from across these companies and they they believe it's just the right thing to do. You, amazing stuff happens for sure. Yeah, it's it's quite nice. So shifting gears a little bit to I think yeah. what I guess was probably your your earlier baby, which is surface. Obviously, the surface, I mean, you guys have been cranking surfaces out for a number of years now. And I'm always just kind of curious, especially kind of talking with you, how do you see Surface and like sort of how does that fit into the design of Windows? And how do you think about Surface and, and developing Windows? Like, I always kind of think about it from the perspective of like how, you know, like if Google has like the pixel line, right? Like obviously they create Android, Android's used on a number of devices. A lot of times they'll kind of use pixels kind of like the the Halo uh, uh, you know, device. They want to kind of use it to kind of make like the, the ideal version. How do you think about Surface when it comes to developing Windows? Do you like 
think about like, oh, we're going to make this great product. Oh, but no one's done it. We're going to put this in Surface first. Or I'm just kind of curious about like sort of your mentality on how you kind of balance out the, the Surface and the Windows sides of the house. You know, at the end of the day, like what you want is end-to-end seamless design between hardware and software. That's what you need um, to make great products for people. It doesn't just start and end with Surface. It actually, all the OEMs do an incredible job of thinking, okay, here's how we bring the device, the silicon, and the software together end-to-end. Surface plays a unique role for sure in its own way because, you know, if it can lead with technology, but the whole idea is what technology can be created that can make it across the entire Windows ecosystem, which I do, that that matters. And so you can see that, like, you have to think in product making, you know, whether it's HP, Dell, Lenovo, Asus, Acer, Samsung, like, these are incredible brands and they make incredible products and you and they, they have an end-to-end look on these product lines and... As Windows, we vertically stack, if you will, it's a different way to say it, with each partner where we can go create the end-to-end product that's right for their customers and for our customers. Surface plays a role similar, but also kind of adds the, yeah, we can, we get, we, we do as much tech as we can, but it actually plays a role where it says, and as we complete that tech, how do we get it all the way into Windows so every partner can also use it? That matters. And so it kind of plays both roles, like the end-to-end product, but also, you know, there's an incredible Surface team here. They do great work. Uh, you know, I, I, I could talk about my, my teams all day. I get so proud, you know, but <laughs> we also have this incredible team that works with all the OEMs and each one of them is to make sure that these end-to-end products come to life in amazing ways. And, and remember, worldwide, globally is the right word. And so the more we can get that tech flywheel going and get it into windows and get it through all um devices the, the better off our customers are and uh, that's kind of the filter i use um incredible team by the way that i'm so proud of what that team can do and obviously you know I've, I've spent a pretty good portion of my career at microsoft you know either doing mice keyboards microsoft hardware surface and so it, I, it's emotional place in your heart sure. yeah oh without a doubt Without a doubt, and you know it's still, yeah. Come on, of easy. course. Like from from Windows to Surface, like these are my, you know, this is this is. Uh, my kids will tell you, like, there's a debate. I love my, I love, I love, I love my kids. I love my kids. Like, my my kids are everything to me, but they will tell you that's BS, Dad. You know, like, your products or your team, your team is important. I, I get pretty interesting, like cycle. They, I have, a, I'm so blessed. My children are so, Mary and my wife and the children are just so incredible. They're so supportive, but they do make fun of me. Like they, they, <laughs> surface and windows are my extended family. There's no question. Like it's part of, part of the DNA at this point for you bring home that new surface and like, wait, can, can you guys look, look, I finally There's can show you. I've, I've been working on it. <laughs> it <doesn't matter. laughs> if I told you how many devices I had in the house from, from all my partners to surface, like, I don't even know, like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Speaking of products, uh, yeah, maybe looking into the future a little bit. So over the last year or so, we've been talking on the show a lot about arm, arm and yeah. personal computing which is, yeah. it seems to be something that's really starting to kick off and accelerate. And I know that uh, prior to, to 11, there, was, there has been a version of Windows on ARM, which has been available in certain circumstances. But my understanding is that Windows 11 is built for ARM as it is for x86. Sure. I wanted to kind of get your feeling now about whether you consider that it, we're in a bit of a changing landscape with ARM architecture and what do you think that could look like into the future? And if you have a strategy that you're playing to with that? 
Yeah, I think that there's a couple ways to think about it. One, you're right. Windows 11 built for ARM, but not just ARM. I think that's mm-hmm. what's important. Like silicon diversity, I believe, is super important. Back to the open platform. Customers having a choice is means everything to me. But perfecting Windows on the silicon that we build it for is also incredibly critical. And so you have to think, like our partners, very clear, AMD, Intel, and Qualcomm, and we we work incredibly well with all three. They're amazing, all three amazing companies, and their silicon roadmaps are, they're incredible. And so specific to ARM, for sure, like that stack is critical. Um, I love my ARM devices that I use today. Uh, my daily driver is an, is an ARM device, but of course, I could probably say that about a lot of different daily drivers I use, so it's maybe unfair, <laughs> but I would... But at the end of the day, what that technology brings is another choice for our customers and ultimately um, some incredible, you know, you can imagine. <laughs> I got to be careful of how I talk about the future. <laughs> you just, but I will tell you between, you know, all, all three silicon suppliers are doing incredible work and Windows is here to support all of them. And not just in like some way that's like we support you know, but literally do incredible stuff um, with what AMD does with Ryzen, what Intel does with its product lineup, what Qualcomm does with its product lineup. And like we we are all in on all three. And and that ultimately leads to great choice for our customers, uh, including our OEMs and partners, like, you know, build the right device for the right customer and worldwide. And that that is an important part of Windows and an important part of of our product lineup moving forward. That's awesome. Well, Pando, seriously, thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with us today. It's fascinating to be able to to kind of get a little bit of an insight in the way to you you and the team think about these things because you know we always love you know test driving the the latest and greatest, but to kind of see the mentality and all the stuff that goes into it is super fascinating. So, congratulations on the Windows 11 launch, by the way. It went really well. Yeah, I'm really great. Thank you. Yeah, very proud of that, and uh, proud of the team that that pulled it all together. Hey, I'm thankful to both of you. Thank you for having me. I feel blessed to be able to be here. Uh, It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. You guys have a good day, all right? Yeah, you too. Thank you, you Thank you. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by SyncUp, a OneDrive podcast. SyncUp takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive so you can learn about how to connect files, share your documents and work from anywhere, and you'll get to hear about the design and development side of things too. Every episode has guest interviews, a dedicated topic, special topics outside of the technology norm, and all of the news and announcements that you're looking for. You can learn about automation, data security, remote work, working on iOS, Mac, Android, Windows, and so much more to really help your organization shine. Not only is the show entertaining, it's also factual. It's a great new thing for you to pick up. I checked out an episode recently about how collaboration is becoming all the more important in today's modern working world. We all know this, right, from a technology perspective. This means the tools that we need to use to work better together, not just how we work together as people and how those two things go hand in hand. Go and listen to it right now. Just search for SyncUp wherever you get your podcasts. That's S-Y-N-C-U-P. Or click the link in the show notes. Go and check it out. Our thanks to SyncUp for their support of this show and Relay FM. Whew. Big show today. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I-, I was a little nervous for that one. I was a little nervous yeah me too it was amazing i mean you know we spoke about it before we love Panos and the way that he describes things like 
He's such an emotive person and it was daunting, but I was really excited. I, I've been buzzing all day looking forward to this one. It was great. It was so great. It's it's so cool. And I really, really, I mean, I feel like we've said this a hundred times, but I really do appreciate everything that him and the Microsoft team did to to jump onto the podcast. Uh, I kind of can't believe they, they, they let us do it on the day of the announcement, honestly. I know. I feel like I he'd know. probably be a bit busier than to talk to us two goobers, but you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and for reference, for reference, we're recording this, what, uh, two hours after he gets off the keynote stage? So it's not mm-hmm. like, oh, it's been a while. Like, he's literally come straight from the keynote, jumping on, chatting with us. So that was great. Uh, I mean, there were some interesting thoughts there, right? I just appreciate the idea of kind of just seeing a little bit more of an insight on Someone who's not only headed up, you know, like you said, the device side and, you know, the mice and keyboard and going up to Surface, but now it's Windows, right? I mean, that's that's a big deal. Being ahead of the whole Windows kind of side of things is, that's really interesting. Yeah. And it, it, I love the passion. I love the passion that he shows. And it's so clear. Like, that's not something you can fake. That's not something you can script, right? I mean, he loves this stuff. No, I'm all aboard, right? Uh, I'm all aboard the Panos train. Like, I... I, that guy could take me anywhere. Like I, <laughs> it, it's you can't fake it. He yes. believes it, and you can tell how much he loves it. And that makes me, I mean, honestly, between him and Satya Nadella, over the last few years, just Microsoft is just becoming more and more of an interesting company to me. I'm more and more excited about what they're doing. I mean, we still got to talk about E3 and like, yeah. Should we just get into that? Because, I mean, this is the Microsoft Love Fest today because... I know, I know. <laughs> E3, <laughs> for me, all Microsoft. Right, like, look, I'll get this out of the way. Nintendo, they've got a bunch of games I'm excited about. Breath of the Wild 2 coming in 2022. Can't wait, gimme. Metroid Dread, super intriguing. Another Metroid game coming this year. It's a beautiful Metroidvania side-scroller. Awesome. Great. Love it. But Microsoft, my Ooh. word. Now... Look, we spoke about this on the show before. Test drivers listeners know this, right? The future is Game Pass for them. Yes. We've known it, right? Yes. Like it's it's been obvious for such a long time. So they continue to focus on they have these new consoles, but they're still doing it. They're trying to get the cloud stuff out there. You know, like it's been obvious that Game Pass is the future. But this presentation solidified it for me more than anything else they've done or said. They had 30 games, 27 of them were going to be on Game Pass. Two of these games are two brand new Bethesda IPs, Starfield and Redfall, day one on Game Pass, exclusive to Xbox. Oh my oh. god. And PC. And PC. <sighs> Dude, uh, it's so I feel like we've kind of felt like a day like this was coming for a while, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Game Pass is not new, right? Like it certainly seems like it kind of like it gained steam and sort of more and more people realize it. But I mean, Game Pass was announced. I mean, I want to say, what, three, four years ago? Like, it's yeah. not like some brand new thing. And I remember no. the reactions at the very beginning. Because it was called something else, I think, at one point, too, right? It was like... Oh, I don't even game, remember. It was like, but it was like Game Pass for PC. Like, it was like a whole different thing. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy to see, like, in the initial kind of thing of so many people were like, oh, you know, I've, there's so much hesitancy. Like, I want to own my games and stuff. But you think about it, right? Games are one of the very few holdovers from the old school era where you owned everything. Because, like, what you don't really own. Like, okay, look, if I go out and buy a copy of a game, yes, I can resell. That is a thing, right? But beyond that, you don't really 
own it. And I feel like we don't own DVDs and Blu-rays. We watch it on Netflix or Apple Plus or Disney Plus or YouTube or whatever. You don't own music. I mean, sure, you can go out and buy a vinyl. But outside of that, I mean, really, you stream it on Spotify or Apple Music or something. And to me, Game Pass is not only such a great sort of deal, but it seems like the one area where Microsoft are so clearly ahead. Nintendo might do something like this in the future. If they're smart, they should have something like this. Nintendo will do something and it will be great, but it will be way after everybody else and it won't be like what you expect, right? It's just because this is Nintendo's thing. Like the Switch is it. You look at the Switch, right? We're we're like, oh, any day now they're going to have a 4K machine, right? Like it's, you know, like they're always behind and that's their thing. But it's Nintendo's charm and their overall package that makes them exciting. But like even then, I was about to say, like it's their titles, it's their exclusives. Now look what Microsoft's up to. Because mm-hmm. it feels like they are trying to do all of that with Xbox, right? We're going to, you know, we make the big strategic plays, like getting EA Play and Game Pass, right? So they got, like, these are our corporate partnerships. But oh, also, by the way, we're going to buy up a bunch of great game studios and make games that are worth buying an Xbox for. Like, that's yeah. the play. That's why... Like they've been losing out to Microsoft, uh, to, to Sony in the last few years because they didn't have the titles. So now they've got like this two pronged ap- approach, which is only going to help each part, right? Some people will buy an Xbox to play Starfield. Now they own an Xbox, they might as well try Game Pass, right? Mm-hmm. And then some people are going to have Game Pass or will sign or have Xboxes already and will sign up for Game Pass to get stuff like it, this is like that back and forth which is I mean I could imagine the tables starting to turn in a year or two yeah Oh, especially when you look at the, you know, the PS4 just absolutely obliterated the Xbox One Mm -hmm. in large, well, there's a few reasons for that, but in large part is because there were so many terrific, amazing PS4 exclusives. There's still PlayStation exclusives, but we're seeing more and more of them coming to the PC. It's funny, a friend of mine who has never owned a home console since probably like 1995, right? He has a Switch, but other than that, he's not been interested at all. He just bought an Xbox Series S purely because Game Pass seemed like such a good deal. He's like, I don't want to have to buy it. I'm just going to just download whatever games, try whatever games. Just like when you're scrolling through Netflix, you don't have to commit to buying a movie. You just watch it for two minutes or whatever, and you dip on it. The same thing with Game Pass. You can try it. You can download it. It's cool. Something else I think actually that went a little bit under the radar was the fact that you actually can now, or at least not now, but they're working on the ability for some of these new exclusives that are not going to work on Xbox One, right? Because, of course, games right now are, generally speaking, supporting Xbox One series as well as PC. But in the fairly near future, there will be some of these big titles that will not support Xbox One. Microsoft are working on allowing you to stream those games via Game Pass to your older console. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but this is one of the first times we've ever seen not just like sort of some weaker, worse version of the game for older consoles, but actually in theory, depending on your internet connection, et cetera, yep. et cetera, the ability to play some of these games at much higher fidelity, much higher frame rates and all that kind of stuff via the cloud than you ever would be able to do on the native hardware. Would this be forwards compatibility? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> right. It's the opposite of backwards. This is the old console playing new games, and it has backwards compatibility too. So theoretically, um, don't buy a Series X or Series S. Just keep your Xbox One and uh, keep paying for Game Pass. Is that the advice? That I mean, it's not totally crazy, actually, if you think about it. 
They're also doing a little streaming stick as well, which seems like a little bit of an inevitability that's been kind of talked about for a long time. Well, but also apps for smart devices. Like, that's the big one. So yeah. they're making a, a, a Game Pass app for, like, smart TVs. So all you'll need is an Xbox controller, and you can play Redfall or Forza Horizon 5, which looks amazing, coming yeah, this baby. year, or Halo Infinite coming this year. Oh. Man, I'm... I'm pumped from for this. I really am. Like I'm so pleased. I got my uh, Series S. Like I'll say, my Series S. Uh, it's I I set it up. Then my PlayStation arrived. Then I hooked up my PlayStation, and I didn't touch my Series S again. Uh, and the plan that I just haven't gotten around to it is to bring it here to the studio, and it will be my games console here at the studio. Uh, nice. But really, like I haven't really played any games since these came out. Like I will say, like I just. Uh, <laughs> For me, the first true next-gen game has, that I've been playing is Ratchet & Clank, which is, I don't know if you played it. Oh, my God. Not yet. Oh, my God. Austin, it's stunning. It is probably the best-looking video game I've ever played. Like, it is gorgeous. Like, Can I, can oh I make a little God. confession to you right now? Go on. So, um, I, I feel like we talked about I don't remember if it was on the show or maybe it was offline. Uh, I was very excited to play Last of Us 2. Um, so my plan was over the, you know, the holiday break, you know, take a week off. I was going to play through some Last of Us. And I did. And I did. And I spent some time, but, um, I haven't finished Last of Us yet. And I don't want to start another game until I sit down and spend the next six hours actually just to finish the game. I don't think you're going to finish it if you haven't finished it by now. I really recommend I will finish it. No, I will. It's... Ratchet and Clank, man. No, just so you can no. see what that thing looks like. Like the <sighs> cutscenes look like a Pixar movie. And yeah. there are times, like this happens so many times. Like, you know the transition between cutscene and game? Mm hmm. You don't notice it. <laughs> they do a bunch of that like uh, they have like especially the opening thing they have a very like um, Naughty Dog Uncharted style where it's like that mixture between movie and and, and gameplay you know what I'm talking yeah. about right where like yeah, something's yeah. happening and then all of a sudden you're in control they have one of those to kind of start the game off and it is like really shocks you at what parts you're actually controlling and what not but Oh man, it it's genu like it is actually also a really fun game to play. Like I've been really digging it, but it's beautiful. But this for me has been my first truly next gen game, which is kind of what I was saying, right? Like to be honest, I haven't played anything. This is like the first next gen game I played at all. Like on my PlayStation, I played the Miles Morales uh, DLC, like second, you know, the Miles. I call it DLC. Mm -hmm. It is like a Half of a game, right? I really yeah, loved it, yeah. but then that's the only thing I've played because mm -hmm. everything else has just not really been for me or it's stuff that's existed that I've played before. Um, so now I feel like, I feel like from now, and this is also something I was noticing at E3 too, from now is when we are starting to see all of the games that were delayed yeah. starting to arrive. Yeah. And so from now, towards the end of the year and into next year, there's going to be a ton of great stuff coming out. Oh, it's, it's a good time to be a gamer. It's a good time to be waiting for the Switch Pro. It's also a great time to be uh, part of the Z Flip gang. And uh, you know what? It's also, I'll just throw it in there. It's a great time to be a Windows 11 future user. It's, it's good stuff all around, man. Good vibes only around here on the, the test drivers. I mean, most of the time, unless I bring up Last of Us again.
Before we go, let me tell you about another show here on Relay FM, Focused. If you're struggling to focus, you're not alone. With all the distractions we have these days, focus seems like a superpower. But hosts David Sparks and Mike Schmitz can show you how. Go to relay.fm slash focused or search for focused wherever you get your podcasts.